I sort of, you know, I was excited about all the different like areas, like rich areas we could go into, and then like I have a list of things that like I kind of whenever I feel like I want to write about something, I put this, I put it in like the spot that, but it's kind of like a reading list, and that like you know you know you know you never read all the books in your reading list, and you know yeah, you never yeah. write all the things in your writing list, so. I thought for some of them, like, let me just maybe they're like podcasts or, or just conversation topics. Um, okay. Yeah, so, I'm looking at it now. Cool, yeah. And, and that's like diverge, obviously, from it as we so Because I, I totally agree with you. Uh, your your kind of uh, comment on the first one was like, it seems to go better in free-flowing conversations than in any script. So let's, let's definitely try to do that. Um, okay. The first thing I had, and, and it's about meditation, right? Um and I think it's a good time because, like, I've been using uh, Headspace, which I think you – I might have told you about or maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah you cool. told me about that. Cool, cool. Um, and then um, also I about halfway through a book called uh, The Good Life, uh, The Art of Stoicism, something, uh-huh. with some subtitle like that, uh, okay. by this guy William Irvine. And um, really good. Like, I knew a little bit about Stoicism but not much. And so, like, I'm clearly learning a lot from that. And – specifically um, on what Stoics considered meditation and mm-hmm. sort of um, I wanted to kind of, and, and, and as they were describing that, I was starting to realize like, hey, that sounds a little bit more like what, what my meditations is, though it doesn't, it's not always the intent. Sometimes I just can't control, you know, the, the self-talk. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you meditate and, and if you do more of a Buddhist meditation and, and sort of the just the sort of benefit that uh, there is to be had in a stoic, stoic-like meditation versus a Buddhist-like meditation. If we kind of think that one is more valuable than the other, or they're both good, and you should practice both, etc. Um, okay, cool. So, I, I, I guess with that said, I'll, I'll maybe describe because obviously you're familiar with Buddhist meditation, but maybe I'll describe stoic meditation a little bit, and and we could go from there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, like you know. Um, when you meditate, you want to try to, and I'm talking about Buddhist meditation, and obviously step in here. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding isn't great, but it's you want to try to turn off your mind, right? And one can be said like you want to try to just focus on your breath, uh, and you want to try to have pure tranquility in your head, right? You want to try to turn the faucet yeah. off of of thoughts and and emotions, and and just sort of be. Again, yeah. I guess turn off all your senses and, and everything like that, right? Is that is that sort of a fair? You want to build off of that, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's like I feel like there's kind of two schools of thought. One is just that where you're just uh, trying to basically, and that's just like concentration. Like you're just trying to direct your mind to one thing, whether it's like a mantra, a mantra, or like a that would be TM, know? right? Like transcendental yeah. meditation. Yeah, yeah, or like your breath, or like just something visual like you can look at like uh like a like just something visual that's easy to see like a spot and just kind of fish and every time your attention wanders from it you just kind of bring it back to that um and that's uh that's i think what a lot of people have is like uh, the conception of meditation and like kind of the 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 um the kind of the pinnacle goal would be to just get into a free like a, a complete submersion of immersion in into that concentration um, a lot of other people a lot of people are kind of talking about um, more of an open meditation so you're you're not necessarily restricted to one thing like the breath or you know like a, a spot that you're focusing on it can be like 
every it, it's really anything that that comes in so so you have uh you start with the breath but then like sounds uh you realize that you're you're also hearing sounds and that you're also thinking and that all these things are just happening before you know right in front of you and that you can um you can have that same kind of quality of uh open attention towards any of them and then you and you kind of uh and then there's like the the larger goal of just breaking the spell that you are any of those right. sensations so and like then, even mm-hmm. in that second form though it seems like the goal is to sit and sit in a place independent of your thoughts, right? Like almost like you're sitting above them and just observing them go by. Whereas yeah, yeah. you don't want to, like one of the uh, metaphors they use in Headspace is imagine you are just sitting on the side of the road of a busy highway, right? Yeah. And, and, and your thoughts are the cars just driving by. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of sitting on the road looking at them. Yeah. Um, do you think, so to be clear, like in both of your descriptions, that would be an apt metaphor. Like the metaphor fits both of those scenarios. Yeah, it's it's just really it's it's a lot harder to do it with your thoughts because you have such an identification with your thoughts. So like something with the even the breaths kind of difficult because you some you you can kind of voluntarily control the breath, and so there's some sort of voluntary aspect, and so that kind of leads into the identification. I had a problem with that for a while, and when I went on a, tr- a retreat, like. Uh, you know, you're supposed to just let the breath go naturally, but there's kind of a voluntary, you can control it voluntarily. And so there's a kind of a dichotomy of like, am I controlling the breath or am I just watching the breath? And so it's kind of, that's also entangled with this feeling of like control, but like, but if you're, you know, just watching, uh, yeah, like, like I said, a spot, something like something, external that's visual and you just every time it's 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 a little bit easier to see like when you're actually um you're watching let's say a spot and every time your your gaze kind of drifts off from that or you realize that you've been thinking just incessantly you just like you clear your attention and then return back okay to, and that's that's where i yeah. want to jump in like because thinking incessantly like that is and um incessant, incessantly isn't usually used pejoratively but like let's mm. let's take it to mean like yeah yeah let's i think as an agnostic term for now like sure. that is more of, of stoic meditation right where the goal kind of is to think incessantly but in a way mm. that is constructive so like um the example they use is um there's a set of like stoic principles right and we can get into those if we need to but the idea is that you could use these moments of meditation right these 15 minutes 20 minutes half hour moments of meditation where from the outside, uh, if I'm if you're observing the person from from you know a third party view, you wouldn't be able to tell whether they're doing a Stoic meditation or a Buddhist meditation, right? It's just, you're sitting with your eyes closed, legs crossed. All that's the same. Um, it's just what's going on in your head. So, like with the Stoic meditation, the goal is to think incessantly in a way where you want to try to um, think through your day, right? Let's say, presume you're doing this. Even if you're doing it in the morning, it could be the the, the, day, the day prior of like how well you lived up to what your goals were. What, what life you're trying to live, your principles, and sort of, it's, it's essentially like a moment of, of, refi- of uh, you're earmarking time for reflection, integrating yourself into how well you're doing the things that you want to do, right? And so in that case, okay. it's required that your brain is active, right? You need to be thinking mm. of things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, there are there obviously are constraints in that you're thinking constructively, right? You're not thinking yeah. about petty things or things that you're you're sort of being uh, fatalistic about the past in a sense where you're not allowed to not you're not supposed to just like say, oh, um, 
you know, if I would have left my house five minutes earlier yesterday, I would have made that train, the subway, and I wouldn't have been late for work. That's not what, right? It's not that. That's right, right. You can't it's change like a that, constructive, right? exactly. constructive thinking. Exactly, like exactly. And so, um, and the reason I this is an interesting topic to me is because, um, unsurprisingly, I've struggled with meditation. I think many people do. In that, yeah, um, there are day, and even in Headspace, the instructor will say don't get don't get turned off by days like there even if you go 10 days in a row by having really tranquil meditations you could go have you could that could be followed by five days where you feel like yeah. you know monkey brain is in full effect right 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 right. um and so prior to learning about stoic meditation it was like i did always feel like okay that was a successful or unsuccessful right and even when it was unsuccessful i felt like well it was still better than doing nothing at all hmm. but now learning about stoic meditation i'm like I'm actually seeing benefit in, in having the sort of busy mind uh, mm-hmm. meditation. And so I guess the question then becomes for you, do you, do you view, do you have busy mind meditations or do you, when you do? No, do you I've never it? done that. Uh, well, I've, okay. I've thought about that though, like where you actually just set aside a time just to think rather than like, cause usually you think while, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I think in most people, I'm more of a tactile thinker. So like, um, it's somewhat rare for me to like get an idea like for instance writing or music away from the the paper or the instrument or the computer it's more of like i'm i'm better at like okay i have an idea and then i can continually generate it like while i'm mm. using these tools rather than like setting aside time to just you know to to systematically okay i'm going to be thinking about this without all the other distractions right. and 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 not letting any uh, anything pull me away from that. Like you know, you have a you have twenty minutes dedicated to that, and you're not going to you're not going to get up and go try it if you've if you've kind of thought of something ten minutes through. You're going to stick to the twenty minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. No, so I've never really I've never really done that. So I'd be curious to yeah. see or to know how it's affected you. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely like right now. I guess with with meditation, I'm I'm almost getting to the point where I feel like I want to have like two separate practices, right? Um, this this may this is not going to be a perfect analogy, but like with with exercising, I do every other day. Where like one day I lift weights, and the other day I do like stretching and abs and 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 um, sort of I guess Pilates, you could say, right? So like just basically exercising without lifting weights. Right, and I had that like rotation, and yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, and I think I'm getting to the point, you know, like um, doing like an experiment. You know, that's how we like learn, right? Whether it's a good habit or not, to just rotate meditation in a similar light and have like a day, like meditations where like I'm trying to do more of a Buddhist style meditation, and then like the next day, you know, have do more of a Stoic type meditation, and then just doing that for a set period of time and really. Because all this stuff is new, and, and obviously, I'm not good at either one, right? So yeah, like, I yeah. I need to like learn more and and sort of understand the benefits of both. Like right from where I sit now, I feel like there's tremendous benefit in both. Though, uh-huh. if I had to pick one, I still would say the Buddhist meditation probably is better, simply because um, we are always, you know, doing a stoic like meditation is is something that happens without us even trying, right? Like to your point, yeah. like we could be in the shower, we could be like basically any moment for me where. Right, right, right. I'm not listening to a podcast or 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 music or something like when when there's just nothing for immediately for me to do. Like, I guess you could kind of categorize that as like a moment of boredom. Let's say I'm doing a stoic meditation, right? We just can't control it. Right. And so, like, I think it's more important to actually explicitly work to set time to do a Buddhist like meditation because if you don't, 
that time's never going to happen, right? Um, yeah, it's naturally. definitely more easy to do the the. It's because yeah, the Buddhist meditation is something that probably most of us are not really familiar with, and exactly. it's like it's like a it's a hard skill to develop to right. like to do it actually well and very hard. Yeah, to to think to not just think that you're doing it right, but to actually be doing it right. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm still learning from that perspective. Like there's people that, I mean, I've done a rich, I've done a couple retreats and, but like every time I go without a while from doing it, I feel like I'm just, you know, it's like every time you, you, you sit down to do it, you kind of feel like you're beginning again in some yeah. sense you are, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's definitely a hard, it's definitely a, uh, it's not like an intuitive thing and it's not something that we do naturally. I mean, we're thinking pretty much all the time and then the the the, med the buddhist sort of meditation is to say okay well, let's try something different let's yeah. try to not necessarily not think but like have a different um like cultivate a different sort of attitude and uh awareness towards uh what you are thinking yeah <laughs> and then one of the strategies of of headspace uh that's taught in headspace is to kind of get you to that point where you can just turn the faucet off so to speak is yeah. to um and, and to, to sort of sit back and try to, uh, for, first it's like a prerequisite, you want to understand like the main different emotions we could experience. So like uh, the, the most of the ones talked about would be like fear, anger, sadness, joy, disgust, trust, anticipation, and surprise. Mm -hmm. And sort of to familiarize yourself with those a little bit and begin to uh, develop a skill to tie, you know, sort of um, segments of consciousness as they arise to one of those emotions, right? Because most all uh, feelings in theory should be able to be tied to one of them. Mm -hmm. And so when you're meditating to be able to, as you inevitably uh, conjure up a thought, to be able to, instead of becoming enveloped or engulfed by that thought, to be able to, again, um, to the highway metaphor, like sit on the side, watch the car go by, and not only watch the car go by, but be able to like apply a tag to it and say, oh, that's joy. Oh, that's anticipation. Yeah. That's fear, right? Yeah. And just to be able to just become like um, just a pure observer of all of these, for, for lack of a better word, random thoughts popping into your consciousness and just being able to just apply all of these uh, emotions to them um, and and sort of think, you know, okay, sad. that, that was sadness. That's interesting. You know, yeah, and just be like, and, and sort of, you you basically deconstruct or, or demystify um, consciousness, right? By by being able to 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 dissect those thoughts and emo to understand. Basically, it's a it's a tool to try to understand them better. Um, and so the question yeah. is, is that when you go to a retreat or or in your in your sort of learnings of meditation, are things like that um, discussed or or are tools like that tried to be employed or or more of no the goal is really just to turn off all thinking and you would consider that what i was just describing a level of thinking that would not be preferred while meditating yeah um i didn't do that when i was and i wasn't like taught in the retreat that um i went on and we can get on we can get to that mm -hmm. uh, eventually but like yeah there is something about like superimposing like okay that's fear and that might be helpful um, I don't necessarily try to label my thoughts when I see them, but you do, um, I mean, your thought might, a thought might arise that say, that says, oh, that's fear. And that's you trying to classify it. 
but then that thought can be observed as well. So like the analyzation of the thought as well as the feeling itself can be um, can be observed in that way. Um, mm. I feel like the 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 appropriate like when you're in those situations where you are starting to feel fear and stuff, you just have to apply the same meditative practice that you've been working on. Uh, with something like the concentration practices like the breath or like a body scan is another technique that they use in meditation yep. to basically you start at the top of your head and you work on feeling all the sensations down your body and then up your body again. And it's like a way to really kind of hone this concentration. Um, yeah. And so like you're basically when you feel an uncomfortable feeling, your goal is to not shy away from it and just keep bring your attention back to it as if you were like you would the breath or a body scan. Mm. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's of course meta because if the goal is that we're trying to not think, um, mm. it's probably a better way to say that, but, um, to turn off all thinking sensations. The, the goal but, is more just to like every time that you think, uh, you there's like another level where you can tap into just being aware of it, where it's kind of free of thought in a way because it's like pure observation. Mm. So it's like, it's like almost like, I mean, there's nothing to say at that point. Like, not yeah. that you're not thinking, but that there's just the observation of that thought, and you can kind of, uh, you can kind of get into that anytime that a thought arises, and that's kind right. of the liberation part of it is that there is like some sort of freedom in observation that you can uh, tap into and and the concentration practice is really just to stabilize that so like I I when you try to do that without like for me when I try to do that without um, without like having uh, good concentration it's just basically a 20 minutes or whatever of me being confused and thinking that I'm meditating and I'm not. And exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so it's, uh, I think the concentration aspects are amazing to see that it actually, that, that something is actually possible. Like there's, like there's, um, there's actually like a real change in your, uh, in, in the way that you're like perceiving and, and like just by, so you, you take like 40 minutes and you say like, you become really militant about it and you say every time that I get off the breath I'm going to come back and you have a very specific point in the breath when I did my retreat they gave us the point of um, the nostrils so like just the two nostrils and your goal is to just feel the sensations on the two nostrils uh, and whether it's coming out of both or just one and like really every breath is you know, some, so, something new that can be observed. And so you are just continually seeing that and feeling that. And it's more of a feeling. It's not really a scene. It's not really a visual thing. It's more like a sensation that you're just, then you're just uh, focused on that and really minuscule. And you start to notice that you can feel more than, like you start to be able to feel more sensations than you could when you started. So when you start, it's very kind of a blunt sensation. Later, it's like, very fine grained and you can just, and you can tap into, you know, four or five breaths, like very clearly without, without breaking concentration. Like, and, and that's, it's like a really interesting experience because you, um, 
because you couldn't do that when you first started. And so it's like really, it speaks it's to It's a way like, to see progress. No. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and, and I would just add to that. Another way I've seen progress is that I've begun to notice when I go, um, I, I want to say two days or more consecutively without meditating, I, whether this is, quote, real or not, I, I don't know, or purely just like, I mean, that's even hard to say if there's even a, if it makes sense to even make a distinction, but... Um, but I, I sort of feel as though like I didn't go to the gym for a few days, you know, when you sort of mm. feel, um, you know, that same sort of feeling, you feel like, um, let's say some people may say like, all right, I didn't go to the gym in a few days or I ate really, uh, unhealthily for a few days and, and you sort of have that like weighing down, um, yeah. feeling I'm beginning to feel like meditation, like it's becoming something that I feel is required to, for me to do consecutively. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise I do feel off in a way. Uh, uh -huh. And I think that it, that's the progress that I've noticed um, because, of course, if I think back to when I first started, it was, you know, I did maybe 10 days of headspace and um, like the first 10 days and then like I stopped for five days and then like maybe I did it for another three days and stopped for two weeks and it was kind of that and I yeah. never felt like I was missing something the days that I wasn't doing it um, uh -huh. like I do now and so, um, yeah, it's a very interesting topic It's a, or practice, I should say, and something that like it seems like no matter who what mentors I, I have in life they meditate and it's something that um the value of it seems to becoming is seems to be coming less and less disputed uh yeah. with time and so uh -huh. um yeah it's definitely I'm, I'm definitely uh pretty close to implementing something like i was saying where i'll do like a stoic meditation one day and a buddhist meditation and i don't know if those are the right terms but um i think we know you know based on how we described them previously right like a thinking versus a versus a turning off the thinking um, yeah, yeah. style of meditation, but yeah. Well, how do you do the How do you do the stoic meditation? I mean, do you just yeah. you just put on a timer and you just kind of like what are the what are the yeah. constraints that you have? Yeah, so um, definitely a work in progress. But right now, I, I I actually treat them very similarly, like meaning that I put on Headspace for both. Um, so like Headspace is like the more you advanced through it the less talking there is so like right now what it is for me um and i actually quite enjoy it is like there's maybe three-ish minutes of just conversation or just like lecturing i should say from um from the headspace like orator and then at the end there's another similar like a three-minute closing right but then in between there's there's i want to say more or less just silence um so that it's kind of like a timer but but bookmarked or bookended with with like encouraging words, if you will. Uh -huh. um, and so on the days where I'm doing the stoic one, I would just allow myself to do whatever I want. Like I allow my mind to go wherever it wants to go. And mm -hmm. the place it goes, um, you know, inevitably would be uh, thinking about, and I'm happy for this. I don't have to really try to think this, but like it'll just be thinking about the progress I'm making um, on my long-term goals and, and the type of person I want to be like to others, you know, family, friends and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but that, that requires thinking clearly. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's more of the stoic meditation. And then for the Buddhist meditation, it's the same thing, right? Like it's set up the same way. So the, do you, yeah. do you like, uh, change your space? Like I, I was thinking it might be a good idea to have different cues. I mean, you said you use headspace for both of them, but do you do it in like a different room or something no, so that you don't? Yeah. Okay. I probably should. Um, but you know, again, like I was, this is some, like the stoic, the whole, the whole even idea of it is, is probably like less than two weeks 
new to me. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. I just found, so so um, and also going back to what we spoke pre- about previously, where um, you know, at part of my morning routine, when I'm pressed for time for one reason or another, meditation is always the thing that gets pushed to something I do on the train, which again mm-hmm. isn't great, right? So like, I think the for me, the stoic style meditation bodes well better on the train or in a noisier environment because it doesn't seem like it's it, it's overall easier. You know, we mm-hmm. you said that earlier, and I agree. Uh, whereas the kind of Buddhist style meditation, I think I need to be more strict with the with my environment and the surroundings where I do it, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, because having silence really does help. Like even if like. I'm on the train. There's like a train announcement while I'm trying to do, you know, turn off my thinking. It's pretty difficult, right? It just it just adds like another layer of complexity because like your mind it starts to jump to like what the train conductor just said, right? Um, right, right. Whereas in Stoic style meditation, it's just again easier not to be not to get uh, perturbed. Um, I had this uh, interesting experience, or like when I first went on this the first retreat I went on. Um, this this guy. Uh, like, cause they, uh, the retreat I went on was a Gawanka retreat. And so it's like taught by this guy who gives video, they have video lectures of him and he, he starts, I mean, if it's your first course, he kind of treats every, they treat every course like it's somebody's first course. Cause there's old students, but there's also new students. So they give a video lecture every night. And then they like have guided meditations for the first couple days. And then for parts of the days, it's like, you know, silent or like him chanting kind of. Yeah. And, um, and this one guy was, and at the end of the, the retreat, everybody's allowed to talk and you kind of meet all the people that you were with. <clears throat> and one guy was ta- talking, he kept saying, uh, like, I liked it a lot, but like, uh, you know, this guy, the, the Goenka guy kept talking you know, when I was trying, when I was really getting into my, you know, meditative states and he kept talking and it kept distracting me. And it's kind of interesting because it's, um, because really the thing that you want to realize is that nothing really is a distraction. So like, it's kind of true to say when you're, uh, starting out, like distractions are like, uh, it's, it's like, um, how do I say this? It's, uh, the the distraction so you say you're you're focusing on the breath and then all of a sudden you think a thought that thought is 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 can be observed in the same way that you were just thinking of the breath so a way that i've been kind of um it's all like happening in the same space of uh experience and so that's kind of like the ultimate thing you so it's in in some way nothing is really a distraction it's just there is a state of not being distracted um, and that and being open to whatever comes. So a way that I had been practicing for a while and it's probably the easiest way for me to get into the like uh, the open the open meditation, which right. is you start with your breath and you you focus on that. So like this might have to be done. Uh, over you know a couple days or so, or like if you you know you can you can kind of try it in one session as well. But like you start with the breath and get really good at coming back to the breath and having like long uh, long moments of concentration on that. 
And then you open it up to something else. So you say, I'm going to say, I'm going to be aware of both the breath and the sounds in the room. Mm. And so you have like this dual sort of um, concentration on both. And then you tune that up and then you say, okay, the visual field. And then you basically have everything going. So the visual field, body sensations, sounds, uh, you know, what's happening with the breath, which is another body sensation. And you have all this kind of coming and then thoughts is like a uh, is like another thing that's you you kind of see this all you kind of become familiar with the open space of it all mm-hmm. i felt like that really opened it up for me also um sound meditation really helped um for me i didn't i th- i went through my first retreat basically just doing breath and body sensations and i kind of walked away feeling unsatisfied and I was listening to like an Alan Watts lecture or something, and he was talking about how I mean you should listen to it if you if you haven't, but he he talked about listening to the sound of a gong and how attention isn't like you know people think of the now as like now now it's it's you know it's kind of like right. you know, we have this very um, click clock oriented kind of version of the now but if you think of the now as kind of like a gong where it's like a it's like a it's a hit and then it's a long resonance mm, you have this like, like tail, yeah yeah so it's like this it's it's a it's kind of a process that's the now that you're that you're tuning mm. into also just focusing on sound so nothing so instead of doing the breath say okay i'm only going to focus on the sounds in the room and every time that i get lost i'm coming back to the sounds for me that was kind of a breakthrough moment because I had been I mean like as a musician I've done a lot of like active listening so it kind of triggered the part of my brain where it's like um, you're listening to something very closely because you want to see how it actually is and but you're also active you're not like just kind of passive listening to it you're very active and so doing that over and over and um, becoming really good at that kind of and it also it also shows you kind of what other that, that it's not only the breath or it's not only sensations on your body that can be observed in that way. It's, it's literally anything. And so tuning all of those kind of parts up will, I think, help you out. Yeah. No, um, really anything to, to get me away from the Stoic-like meditation more toward the Buddhist is something that I'm willing to try because that's whenever my mind, whenever I am trying to meditate, that's the battle, right? It's how do I keep myself from going into like, the rabbit hole of, of thinking. Um, yeah. And what, what, what makes it especially difficult is that I feel like when I do go into the rabbit hole of thinking, so often it's it's constructive thinking and it's thinking that I enjoy and, and, and it, you know, I feel like I have insights from that thinking. Um, and that's so good. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, like on one hand I know it's good, but on the other hand I know like that's not what I set out to do, right? I'm trying to, trying to actually have, you know, uh, real tranquility in a sense. And so... Um, yeah, hopefully compartmentalizing them and, and, you know, earmarking times for both mm-hmm. will, will, will sort of help me, um, not slide over and not feel as, uh, okay with sliding over to the thinking like meditation when I know like, okay, well, I'll have my time to do that tomorrow or whenever I, the next, you know, session that I have planned is, yeah. um, yeah, so that's the plan. And then I guess going back to what I was saying about having that constructive or insightful like thinking, um, sometimes what I'll even do is, um, 
like this is appropriate like the other day like i remember i was just as a quick example like i was thinking i was meditating i was thinking and then someone had said to me earlier that day um uh something about being uh, generous with their time right i think it was like um you know, I was, you know, I was telling you that I went into uh, UX, right? And now I'm a, a UX designer, UX strategist. Right. And so like throughout that process when I was in school, of course, I was, um, you know, reading and, and sort of like understand, you know, getting to know the field, if you will. And uh -huh. by doing that, like I emailed a few people who were, you know, not, obviously not super established, you know, reachable to me, but also like established at the same time, if that makes sense. And I tried to reach out to them as mentors and a certain percentage of them responded and I had lunch with them, et cetera. And so when I got my job, um, let's say a month ago, I emailed the ones that actually met with me. And, you know, one thing I kept saying in email was, thank you, you know, you were generous with your time on multiple occasions, right? Yeah. And uh, so one of the things I was thinking about was, um, like, to give you an example of, of this sort of insightful thinking, right, that I could have in, in moments of like, what does that even mean? Like, to kind of, like, is it possible for someone to be, um, generous with their time or, or, or selfless, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're kind of somewhat equating generosity with selflessness, um, mm -hmm. is that a fair label or is, um, is there an, always that ulterior motive where, um, where they're doing it, even though it's not directly obvious, they're doing it for themselves in some way. So like whether in this case it's, um, if I'm an established person in a field, like I want to be the mentor to four, three to five people, because oftentimes if those three to five people are ambitious enough to like reach out and actually have a mentor and like do it in an appropriate way, maybe two or one out of those five are going to become established themselves. And that's going to benefit me in the way, because I'm going to have a network and, you know, they'll be, um, indebted is probably too like shitty of a word, but hmm. you know, they'll, they'll kind of like have that sort of camaraderie where, um, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to develop into a mutually beneficial re relationship. Right. And, I, and in this case, it's like, if there was no chance for it ever to develop into a mutually beneficial relationship and there was no pure, like intrinsic joy and in just like helping somebody out, um, would they do it? And if not, then can you really, is it really, is it sort of a misnomer to say, thank you for being generous with your time? Like, is it just like a, a platitude in that sense or, or, you know, um, right, right. And so, and I know this kind of goes, this is essentially talking about the whole like self, selfish versus selflessness. Like, um, I think a lot of people always talk at like, does your mother really love you or does she love you because she's your mother? Right. And sort of like that whole line of thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't know that, that I think it's a, it's, it's a rich area, uh, to get into, um, uh, presuming we just don't feel like, yes, of course, there's no such thing as, as selflessness everything is done at, for a selfish reason by its very by the very fact that it's done by the person like there's no way to to tease out or to ever separate an action that someone performs and uh -huh. selfishness they're just inextricably tied um yeah yeah i'm not sure um i mean i know that like being a teacher you definitely i mean you get paid a lot of times as a teacher so a lot of teachers are have these ulterior motives of yeah it's their job um, but I think a lot of them get into, well, some of them get into it because they really like teaching. Some of them get into it for obviously just to get into it, um, for, for money reasons. And, um, but I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I do think that there is, it might be, 
some selfish, I mean, I think it's all, I think it's hard to really uh, separate that, like you're caring from someone else. If you, if you really didn't get any joy, I don't, I don't know if that's entirely possible, but I don't know if it deflates the, the significance of it. Like, mm-hmm. um, if, if I'm, if I'm being generous with my time and helping somebody and maybe they're not paying me um, and maybe I don't really expect that they're going to help me. It's somebody who's just beginning and I don't know if they're going to uh, continue with this, mm. you know, and um, maybe just the experience of them, them uh, like just enjoying it for that moment would give me satisfaction. Even right. if like, so like if I'm teaching music or if I'm teaching English language to somebody and it's really like, it's kind of obvious that they're, or it, it may not be obvious, but it, in the future, say they don't, they don't end up really using that. Sticking they with might, it or anything. Yeah, exactly. They don't end up sticking with it. They might still have the experience of, you know, that still might be a valuable experience for them to have had. And, you know, I might've enjoyed it in the moment and, um, they might have real. There's there might be part of them that really still wants to do it. Um, and so, like I don't know. It's it is intrinsically. I think there are like moments like that where I I get intrinsic satisfaction. Like when you see somebody make progress and you know that like your kind of guidance has helped them through some some uh, some hurdle that they couldn't get through just thinking about it on their own or trying it on their own, like you, you start to like see how, um, how, how like barriers can be removed and stuff like that. I I think it's, it's really, it's vital for me too. I mean, like, you know, teaching is a way to kind of analyze yourself and to see how you learn and to see how, uh, by seeing how other people learn, you see how, how you learn yourself and just the patterns of, of learning um, and and overcoming difficulties and realizing that what would, you thought was difficult, um, you know, isn't uh, there. There's ways to move around it and breaking things apart. I mean, taking things and just putting them in their most basic form uh, or looking at things from a different perspective and all that to try to get them you know, what they thought they couldn't do, you break it down and you show them all the parts and then they put them back together and they're like, oh, well, this was, this actually wasn't as hard as I thought, like mm. now that you put it in this way. Yeah, yeah. Those, those skills are valuable for teachers. I mean, I think, I think that's like, I know that uh, by explaining things to somebody else, you I learn, learn you learn so, it and, better. Uh-huh. And that goes back to the heart of it. So like then retrospectively, can you... Can you feel like can you can you look at, at at actions that you've done and say yeah I did that I did that out of out of selflessness like and and, yeah. and and honestly say that like and it's definitely something that has come up with me it's like I it's not like I've tried that hard it's not like I've you know had like a a, a time where I just devoted thinking to try and understand if this is possible but. Mm-hmm. Um, on moments when it has popped into my head, I, I don't think I can. Like um, going back to my example a little bit with with my schooling. So when I got my job, I knew that I wanted to get back. I, I knew I wanted to get back involved in the school, right? So like I wanted to go as an alum and and sort of speak as a panel um, a panel participant 
and and do things of that nature with it with with the hope of you know bolstering my my relationship with them and then maybe teaching a night course and sort of just developing that arm of my career right um mm-hmm. like an educational arm um but like doing the panel speak speaking like I, you know of course it was unpaid um it was on a saturday at 10 a.m and like I, I went there and i and i did it It was like an hour and a half just like answering questions from people who were thinking about taking the course and all that mm-hmm. but like for me it's very easy to see that i did that for even though maybe on its surface like i remember a few times throughout and at the end they you know the 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 employees they were like thanks for coming in a Saturday really appreciate it right um, yeah and that to- makes total sense like why they would say that but like never for a second did I believe that I was doing that out of the goodness of my heart so to speak right and right so like I guess just using that as a vehicle do do you feel like there are things that you could look back and honestly say to yourself like you did that purely like can you separate that out can you separate actions from selfishness is have there things that you've done where you think you've done them not for your best interest yeah, I think I have. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but I've definitely done things that I didn't want to do and did them uh, and still did them, you know, like right. I think we, we all kind of do that and you don't really see like a benefit from them um, in the future or even like right now I could look back at them and, and, I, and I wouldn't see a benefit. Um, but um, in some sense... I see like a lot of, I try to see a lot of new experiences as just being helpful in themselves, even if they're not like directly going to benefit me, they might be an interesting experience. Um, but if you see it, like if, if there's an experience, like for your instance, like what's the, like, I'm sure public speaking was kind of, yeah. you know, like there that was, was there's a few, but like those are, I would say that's selfish though, wouldn't you? And we're not, I'm not using selfish to say, yeah, yeah. To, to, to say right, I'm, I, I just mean that because um, people use selfish all the time to, to, to mean a, a purely like malicious thing, I think, where really how I mean it is, um, and it's so hard because it, 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 the more I think yeah, about yeah. it, like the more you cynical. Yeah, you see yeah. a benefit, like you're trying to do something without seeing an obvious benefit yeah. from, or even... A non-obvious yes, benefit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You don't see like there's no possible benefit that there's you no could trace. But I don't. I don't know how. If that's like, even possible, right? Yeah, I don't know if that's even possible. I mean, that would be like you being willing to go be tortured for you yeah. know, like no, being tortured for something that's not gonna this that that wouldn't uh, provide wouldn't any benefit. benefit yeah, yeah. For any anything or anyone, and that would be. Or what if? What if? I don't know if we could actually ride this out, but like, what if it's the torture, right? The person torturing you. What if they're mm. going to get sort of statistic pleasure from? And let's not be too gruesome. Let's just say, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. just say it's like slightly tapping your fingers with a hammer, right? Not to the point your fingers are bl- like you would still be able to like type the next day, right? So it's or or in a week, right? You know, you'd have soreness, but it, it would be fine. There's going to be no permanent damage. Um, someone gets like, you know, by allowing that to happen that person is getting pleasure no matter how like masochistic or or perverted it is um they're getting pleasure like i guess this would probably require more like well out well thought and like probably articulated in in a more succinct way but i'm sure there and i'm sure this has been done and this you know it's out there somewhere on the internet but um to set up thought experiments where people are like there, like I think you said it best. Like there's no obvious or non-obvious benefit, and yet, uh-huh. like, will people still uh, capitulate and and 
and do those things and like obviously you need to control for things like you wouldn't like like family and 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 for, like there would need to be no previous relationships right because like if there's a mm -hmm. previous relationship then that could sort of be uh set, create like a bias right and they could be doing it out of like respect for previous actions like right. you probably need you probably need to have all these controls like it would need to be a new person and all and all these sort of things and then ultimately you'd be able to say like are human beings capable um, to the best we could control the experiment? And I think we probably couldn't control it perfectly, but to the best we could control the experiments, are humans capable of doing like selfish, selfless things that um, no matter how hard we study the the experiment um, within reason, there's just no connection that could be made from the person that the the, the action that the person is performing and a benefit to them, right? There's just no. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't um, know. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. I think yeah, in the torture experiment, uh, so so you're saying that it, even though you're being tortured and you're being being tortured for no good reason, you're still maybe compassionate towards the torturer. I mean, I I feel like if you were like or are you saying that there's no possible way to be uh, selfish? Or there's no possible way to be self selfless even in that situation. Even even though you're being submitted to being tortured for no good reason, you you could still be secretly kind of um I don't know, that seems like to me a pretty good example because I don't think I would feel con I, w I wouldn't feel joy for the the torture. I'd be like pissed that the torture is gaining pleasure yeah, from torture yeah. <laughs> so no it may like it, that may be a, a a decent way to, to look at it like there yeah meaning like you have to presume that like you are not um you know a self-mutilating type of person right and those people do exist right um who who get pleasure from from self-mutilation so like assuming that you're not that person like the meaning the person in this experiment is not that person um, and assuming that they don't, they've never no, met the torture before. They have no stake in them. Assuming that like there's no otherwise attraction to the torture, right? Like it's not a uh, um, you know a, a, a teenage boy and like a, a really hot girl in her mid twenties um, doing it, where like he thinks that maybe there'll be some you know a relationship. You know, like you would have to really think <laughs> yeah, it through, yeah. right? And all these different um, all these different scenarios. And like, yeah, I think maybe if you did set it up in a very careful way. Um, and if you found somebody who was willing to do that and they weren't, again, the self-mutilating person, yeah, maybe that would go some way in proving that selfless acts actually do exist. Um, it's just interesting. Like, I've never really seen it. Um, and albeit I never really looked that hard, but I've never really yeah. seen, like, documented instances of that. Like, you know, we talk about probably the, the, the easiest example to go to would be, like, someone like Bill or Melinda Gates. Um, where it's very easy to see, like, th how many statues will be erected of Bill Gates and Melinda Gates when they pass, right? Like, they will be looked yeah. at in a century from now in very, very high regard, right? Probably in higher regard than than most people realize that live with them today, right? Yeah, like, they yeah, will be so, remembered. So yeah. I guess the distinction would be, like, um, somebody who's completely selfish and, like, you know, someone, some billionaire who's not sharing his wealth and then some philanthropist who is mm -hmm. trying to share the wealth and make humanity better. Yeah. Is there a difference there? I mean, you're saying that they're I think there both, because you're saying that they're both acting selfishly in some sense because, yeah. okay. I think they are so, both acting selfishly in some sense to your point, but I also still think there's a difference. Like, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. Like, I guess what I'm saying is 
I believe that people like Bill Gates are being influenced by the positive reinforcement that they're having and you know from society from doing those actions and that positive mm-hmm. reinforcement I, I think it, it would be impossible for a human being to not to not have some associated self yeah. selfishness from that positive reinforcement like just knowing that you're doing good like knowing the respect that you're garnering from like all different all different types of people like you would again have to be um, a masochist to not respect what he's doing or she's doing right like you there's really no no way not to like you just can't like in every in every reasonable or rational way you look at what they're doing they're benefiting society yeah and so i do think that they're being like i do think it's fair to say that what they're doing let's say is more um selfless than yeah what say um i don't know if this is a a fair categorization, but let's even use someone like Richard Branson, right? Um, right. Or, or even Warren Buffett, right? I mean, right. who's giving, who, you know, um, agreed to give his net worth to, to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but doesn't spend, like, but clearly, you know, his day is still uh, consisting of reading um, all day about, you know, business and finance, right? And, and he's, that's still his life, right? Where he's not spending time really yes. thinking through these problems. He's just providing his income to him, right? Um, so I do think what Bill, if you compare, let's say in this case, like Bill and, and Warren, I do think it's fair to say what Bill's doing is, is more selfless. Um, but I do still think that there's a selfish aspect to what they're both doing. Right. So I guess in the question, the way to rephrase it is like, what we're talking about in the torture example is a, a case of, 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 you know, full selflessness right like unadulterated selflessness so where you have it where it's like to use numbers like a hundred percent selflessness and zero percent selfishness and that's what i'm saying doesn't exist whereas like you know if you could if you you, running with the percentages in the bill versus warren example bill would have a higher percentage of selflessness right so it's like a continuum i would say it's not like yes or no are you being selfless are you being selfish Mm -hmm. is that a fair fair yeah, there's definitely like um, more enlightened selfishness, you know, with like the philanthropist example. You have, yeah, somebody who is definitely caring about their own interests, but willing, but caring also about um, sharing and um, making everybody else's uh, happiness a little bit, a little bit better. Then there's like, I guess. There is that extreme example. I've never really seen it in practice. Well, I guess you see it when with suicide, um, people taking their own life, but and they're not really, you know, you know, they're not considering how it's going to affect the people around them. They're basically, they just, uh, it's like self-destructive. Um, they're, and so that's that's pretty much a, a pretty like that's form of being. Uh, I don't know if that's selfless though. I feel like that's. In some sense, that's uh, selfish because if your desire is to destruct yourself, to to be self-destructive, you're still kind of fulfilling a desire. Right. Uh, I don't. It seems it, it almost it almost seems like kind of begging the question at some point because it's a uh, it's like if you are um, I feel like like if you are a conscious entity, you're probably going to take steps to not. Um, to like make to make your life better 
even though even if those steps aren't at all obvious like if you get into drugs it's, it's not because you're you're trying to do some self-destructive behavior you're 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 feeding one part of yourself that that's that you're trying to make yourself feel better in one sense but you're you're neglecting you know maybe a bigger picture of how this could be you know uh how this could better better uh yourself in the long run yeah you know what, you know what i mean yeah no exactly and that's something i i definitely going to um take some initiative to like look that up and see if any studies have been even tried right i mean it seems to be like a worthwhile endeavor in like understanding human beings like um and again i can't think of a way sitting here now to truly create like uh, a perfect experiment right where everything is controlled and you just have the variable of selfish versus selflessness like that seems to be like exceedingly difficult to do mm-hmm. but even if i think it, it even if someone has tried to do it i think it'd be fascinating um to read about right and see like right. what the results were um yeah yeah but uh yeah i i just don't know yeah. if, if we've if we tried to do that um and, and just thinking about like in some ways, this is taking a step back, but sort of um, let's say these like pensive these 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 pensive kind of conversations, right? And and trying to um, I guess if we set up like uh, um, a sort of dichotomy between topical thoughts and topical conversations, right? I mean, let's just use a quick example of like talking about the you know baseball game last night versus mm-hmm. trying to uh versus trying to tease out like if it's if there's such a thing of selflessness versus uh selflessness right like just right, to set right. that up right um i think some of that could be categorized or, or one way to categorize that is like the um type of perspective that's top of mind in a person's head at any one at any one moment right so like um another another way to think of it is you know, right now as we're having this conversation, right, there are uh, separate from all the people who are dying of old age and, and are dying of, of, of more, um, let's say, expected and, and, and more forgivable reasons or right. are ill for, for more forgivable reasons. There are also, you know, children in developed countries and pediatric, you know, uh, hospitals uh, with, with, with terminal cancer. And then there are, you know, there are the, you know, let's say 2 billion or so people who, who, who don't have running water and, and um, proper places to defecate. And then there are, you know, the, the 500 million who don't have um, a regular source of, of, of food, right. Where they, where they know that they can have their next meal, right. All these like terrible things and like that are happening in very large percentages of like the 7 billion, 7.3 billion of us alive uh-huh. are happening like right now as we're having this conversation. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and sort of, that's that's let's just like call that as like a perspective right it's a type of perspective to kind of view life through right so like for instance like if i buy an iphone 6 today and tomorrow i crack it and drop the screen and I crack it and i didn't have apple care and now i'm out 600 dollars, right or i need to ha- walk around with a cracked screen or better yet let's say i lose the phone right now i'm really literally out 600 dollars yeah um, and i'm someone who's middle class right in, in a developed country so like that that's a big deal to me right um now, I think if you carry a perspective 
of just your life and how that affects your life, right? And and how you work for that money or how now maybe you need to go another few months without having uh, the new iPhone or you need to maybe use an older iPhone in the meantime and all those sort of problems that are uh, created out of the event of dropping your iPhone, right? The the benefit and, and, and negatives of holding that perspective versus putting yourself into the perspective of what I was just talking about of all these sort of horrific things, abhorrent things happening to people that are objectively, um, I think, objectively worse than, let's say, cracking your iPhone, right? Like, I think most people would agree not having, no, not, not knowing where your food is coming from is objectively worse than not having an iPhone, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, um, and when you couple that with the fact that these are large numbers, right? Like, I think the last thing that came out, uh, the last study that came out was like s between 700 and 800 million people, right? Not having um, not knowing where their food comes from. It's like one out of every 10 people or something like that, right? Um, and so the, the, the question then becomes, um, when is, you know, how valuable of a tool is perspective when um, trying to uh, either keep tranquility in your head or trying to remain happy, however you want to phrase it, right? And, and, and how much benefit, how much untapped benefit is there in developed countries for people to have a shift, a paradigm shift in their perspective to sort of create happiness out of, let's say, nothing or create happiness out of purely just understanding reality better? Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting question and it's a question that I feel like I um, answer badly in just life practices. Like um, a lot of times I'm you know, spending my time making music and I'm thinking, okay, how, how useful is this really? I mean, I get pleasure from it. Maybe some other people will get pleasure from it, but it's not really like helping anybody survive in some, some deep sense. And especially since like the topic of music and art in general, is just so divided. You know, there's so many different um, camps of like, you know, I can get enjoyment from this, but some other people can't that you kind of start to think that you're you're not really putting creating anything or putting out making movements in the world that are like really helping other people mm -hmm. and and so and so like I've thought about you know this and um and thought about going into you know other other areas you know, I've been interested in research, and so I was thinking of going into neuroscience. I've thought of nonprofit organizations as a way to, like, alleviate suffering from people in other countries. So I wanted to maybe do that um, for a little bit. And it seems like, but it, I mean, maybe if I could come to a conclusion, I think that doing a lot of these things is probably good for society. I think, the, I think there's always going to be, I mean, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a weird argument to say there's probably always going to be somebody who's going to be doing something good because that, if everybody said that, then there yeah. wouldn't be. But, um, you know, there's always going to be someone who's donating a lot of their time and money and energy to alleviating uh, suffering around the world. It's like, well, if everybody thought that, then, so it wouldn't be other, yeah. yeah. Is it fair to kind of separate um, doing uh, objective good for the world, like like you said, working for an NGO or 
doing something that is easily traceable to um, helping another human being out and setting and putting that as a sep putting on a separate shelf than just not doing something easily tieable to help somebody out but yet keeping perspective of your good fortune and using that perspective to fight and ward off let's say um, unpleasant emotions unpleasant thoughts uh, disturbance and tranquility and so I get what you're saying right and that, that's mm -hmm. clearly a, 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 a um, an appropriate uh, kind of feeling to have where you want to sort of say you want to question how you're choosing to spend your time alive and and if we could somehow uh, in the future let's say a few centuries rank the importance of things for people to do with their time alive that rent, that helping other helping fellow species members would rank above a pursuit of wealth or a pursuit of fame or whatever like that I totally see that as a as a possibility in the future and and, and people looking back at us as incredibly uh, misguided people um, but separate from that I guess do you feel like just just keep just just not forgetting I guess like not forgetting about how you know before even doing much much uh, research you could immediately say that me and you are living a life let's say well above 75% of every human being alive right now, right? Uh -huh. I mean, 75%. Um, and obviously, the reason why I'm not providing, I don't feel like it's necessary to provide any, like, evidence for that is because it's somewhat self-evident, right? I mean, just the fact that we were born in the United States to middle-income or above families, I think, yeah. easily puts us in a 75%, uh, you know, bucket, right? And we didn't really do anything to deserve that, of course. We mm -hmm. were just kind of born into it. Um, and so... And not only that, but like what has happened since then, right? The lives that we live now, the problems that we have now versus the problems of, let's say, the lower 30% of human beings alive, right? Yeah. Um, just keeping that, like the balance of knowing how top of mind, you know, when people say like keep it top of mind, right? Like keep mm -hmm. it topical. How much we let that invade our consciousness. Like clearly there's a, I think we'd all agree there's a point where it's too much. It's too invasive and maybe we become too pacifistic because we are constantly thinking um, or too fatalistic or whatever word you want to, whatever kind of, I guess some combination of the two where it's just, there's, you know, we, we have a hard time conjuring motivation because our, you know, we're constantly thinking about how much better we already have it. So why even try to get better? Like that, there, there clearly is a point where it's too much, right? I, mean, I think we could all acknowledge yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But I guess what I'm arguing for is there's also a, a point where it's too little. Right, where we're not thinking about that stuff enough, and and yeah. we're therefore creating undue um, pressure and 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 unpleasantness um, in our everyday lives, right? Um, yeah. And so, I guess, do you have an opinion on that balance? And and I guess as a part two, like my thinking is that there's a lot of untapped benefit there because from 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 where I sit, I feel as though um well well many people that I interact with both personally and through a medium like television or or what what would have it um lead me to believe that people don't at all think about uh don't let it invade enough right meaning they don't allow themselves to 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 understand and step back like how good their lives actually are presuming you value every human life the same right yeah 
I mean, I definitely have grown in this area because I have I think about it way more than I used to, and I think there's um, a lot of you know useful things that are coming to attention right now. I mean, like you know, everybody in you know there's there's a culture in the the U.S. that has you know, for instance, Netflix, and on there there's tons of documentaries about you know what. That life is like all over the world, and you know, on the internet we have YouTube that have that has documentaries of what his life is like all over the world and kinds of uh, problems that the world has, and and urging us to keep um, perspective on all of that. Um, I and I think I've been influenced by that, and I think it's I think it's useful to keep it. Uh, in view I mean I think that's a little bit what traveling is kind of about as well you go to other countries you see how people are living you see how different it is there's def- there can be you could go to countries where there's extreme poverty and um, you can see resilience in that and you could see how resilient humans are and that resilience is possible even in the face of like uh, uh, social and and infrastructural damage um, and that's that's great to get perspective on. You you can see it, you can kind of um, and it and it's motivating too. If you wanted to get into that nonprofit thing, even if you wanted to donate money, I think there's a way to donate smartly as a, as opposed to uh, as to uh, as to just donating kind of randomly. Peter Singer has this thing called effective altruism, mm. and it's basically like the idea of being altruistic but smart about it. So you're not just um, giving money to anywhere, but you're you're kind of getting the most bang for your buck as far as like who you're giving to and what they're going to do with your money. Um, and I think that is huge. I, it's something that I really want to look into more. Um, once I get a stable income, I'd love to start donating donating more because I think it's uh, I think it's a uh, that's a way that you can probably help. Do you? Sorry, I was gonna say besides financial giving, do you think yeah. there's also like um, psychological application to it? Um, I'll try to string together an example. Um, let's say you have someone who um, lives a life very similar to ours. Um, goes on a vacation to Brazil, goes hiking in the rainforest, um, and comes in contact with a, with a plant that ultimately um, gives them some sort of bacterial infection. And through that bacterial infection, they end up uh, having one of their hands amputated, right? Um, meaning mm-hmm. they, right, I mean, fill in the blanks here, but uh, basically, that bacteria causes uh, cells to die, and ultimately, as a result of that, right, they need to amputate a hand. Okay. Um, that is going to, of course, uh, create a very uh, uh, complicated um, scenario- situation for that person, right? Their lives are going to change. Like we could, we could expect that if that happens to ten people, that more than five of them will 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 come under. Uh, uh, will we'll suffer from some form of depression and sort of be, be dejected as a result of that, right? There's a lot to get used to, right, with having a no hand, right? Um, uh-huh. and, and you and we could take we could play around with this in a sense of like it could be worse than that, I meaning it could be both hands, it could be one hand, it could be a hand, whatever the case is, right? Some some life changing event like that, right? Yeah. Um, I'm saying like 
I, I'm curious to know, um, and from from any research I've done, I, I don't think I've seen it where like, um, you know, a f that person and people in similar situations may go to a psychiatrist, right, to sort of uh, help them through this transition, mm -hmm. right, and through this this thing. Yeah, and so um, I'm wondering if um, this perspective shift that we were talking about could be an application, right, where um, sort of inculcating the victim here, uh, right? With the, with the knowledge the, that other people yes. have it worse. Yes, exactly. Like kind of encouraging them to uh, shift their balance, right? I'm sure every single person who, I'm, I think I could say like ninety nine point, you know, nine to a thousand decimal point people living know are aware that there's developed countries, there's um, developing yeah. countries, right? There's uh, countries that suffer from extreme poverty, like you said, um, they know these things, right? But they are more like fleeting. I don't think they kind of sort of stick to them, right? It's just like, yeah, that's a fact that immediately drives mm. by, and that's it. It's back to their life, right? Um, there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no empathy or compassion there um, for them, and so yeah, exactly. I'm wondering how much uh, benefit is there that's not being currently used to help people who go through these problems where it's like yes i think objectively someone like my life right now is better than my life with one hand yeah right it, yeah i yeah. think we would say that but yet i you don't should, feel it yeah i shouldn't be when, when i when let's say i do lose my hand like it would be silly for me um for for a few reasons right it's unproductive and it's also um presuming we value every life the same it's a not fair comparison to compare my life without a hand to my life with a hand and therefore being depressed because my life without a hand is not as good as my life was with a hand whereas instead maybe i should be thinking how much better my life still is whether i have a hand or not than the majority of people living right now and like through yeah. through really understanding that can we evaporate many layers of depression um that people suffer from and like if yeah. so is that like it, it, what, what do you think the potential is there i think i mean it helps me at least from perspective i mean i i've had conversations with you know i think my i think i have problems you know i'm worried about my own life and my own struggles and my own hurdles and then then i first i mean this just happened to be recently i i um I had a conversation with a family member who had like an accident and just realizing how lucky it was for them to be alive and that it, it just how much worse their situation is than than mine and yeah I mean you you immediately get a perspective shift when you think that when you start because presumably if you're in the uh, game of trying to better yourself you're kind of looking up to all these other people whose lives who you think that they've you know they've really achieved something and um and and how far you have to go to be like them and you kind of see yourself more at the bottom and then you realize that there are people that are you know way way worse off um as far as like fortune is, as you are, and that that can help you, and it, and it goes all. There's definitely a, a like a scale. So, mm. someone who's who thinks who who you and I might think are really worse off could be better off than you know some other person, and that that could have a that could have probably a benefit if you if you taught that to somebody. Um, I think there's also just like going back to more like meditation. There's kind of just 
like there's that there's this perspective where you see how 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 worse life can be and how lucky you are to be you know where you are and then just going a step further accepting wherever you are even if you've lost something of great of what you thought was great importance mm. and like really trying to get behind you know whatever is happening now and just being completely and fully accepting and and grateful for the opportunity to even be you know here at all right so i think that's i think those two things um and probably the more acceptance thing is the more like enlightened thing to to get behind if you were to like really eliminate really alleviate all of the psychological suffering you know like complete acceptance no if ands or buts just completely um like not comparing yourself in some sense but i think that you're right that um there is a, there's definitely affects me when i see somebody who's who's in you know my age maybe but in a completely worse off situation or something you you start to realize your your place is not as you know you're not as um you're not as low as you as you kind of felt right. sometimes, and, and and yeah, just to build off of that, <laughs> like I, f- I find it fascinating how like at a quick, you know, if you look at it quickly, it could seem very messy, right? Where like everyone's in their own place, and yes, I have it better than that person, but like, and so from you know from that understanding, I may recognize that it's not again, it, we're not as low as we think we are, right? But there are this is like a finite scale that we could conceptualize, right? Like we know that we know how many people are living right like mm-hmm. we know that number and we know that irrefutably we're high up on that on that scale right and 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 again it is important to to define terms where what we're saying here is and the way i i i i've thought of it is certainly part of it is um let's say income or, or wealth let's say and what what people are able to do with the wealth in the world that we live in like what wealth allows like how how wealth allows um on balance uh, a more convenienced life um and then also the environment that we're in right where it's just not as a hostile environment so like that's sort of in, it's not completely independent from wealth but it's certainly not the same thing right i mean I go through my life every day and it's very peaceful like yes every once in a while i may incur like a a you know uh ravenous or or sort of like unruly individual like in the street or something right but, right but for the most part you know all my interactions are just very like you know thought out peaceful you know interesting right i'm wondering and, i'm wondering how how like if if that if that's entirely um part of it so like if if you or if somebody, let's just say some Joe who's living in New York is has all these benefits economically and living there environmentally, but is just miserable versus somebody who doesn't have those benefits and who is who's like completely content. I mean, how do you well, reconcile I, those two examples? Well, because I'm well, I reconcile them by I think they're just at different levels, like. Of course, it's possible for someone to be wealthier and be in a better environment and to be suffering um, in the sense of, I guess in this case, we're saying suffering in the sense of not having tranquility, not having peace of mind, right? Like having a perturbed mind 
more But I mean, so. they could be, yeah, they could be really self-destructive in, in all right. those ways that right. we talked about earlier. So, so, so exactly. So like I would never for, for a second think that or, or, or try to say that by solely by dint of you having yeah. more wealth and being in a better environment, therefore, right? You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's not that. It's more of we know, we know it's a good indicator, Right, like I think we know that there's some correlation there. It's not, it's not a direct correlation and causation, right? It's not if you have more wealth and if you have a better uh, or a calmer environment that you have to interact with every day. Therefore, you will have a better life, right? No one could say that, but yeah, I think we could say, um, I think we could say through, if if nothing else, just through our own experience of being a human being. Um, we, we get there's something to be said for the fact of 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 me having access to the internet whenever I want it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's something said for me to have like to own more than three pairs of shoes, right? I think yeah. there's something you know. These are, I think, you know, these these yeah, are yeah. these are real things, right? That do I think uh, on ba- everything needs to have like an asterisk, like on balance, right? Like, they're they're not they're not always the case but they mostly are true right where it's like yeah go ahead no no i I was gonna say that there's definitely some things like that like you know a a doctor that 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 can provide you and having health insurance and stuff like that and being able to basically whenever you're have something life-threatening you could go and and get um checked out right that's something that's that could be is an obvious benefit from living in like a western country there Although the thing about and and surely other benefits as well, and uh, but I I wonder how how like how um, correlated they are when you get to some forms of happiness because it's hard to measure happiness really. Um, well, and, yeah. yeah, no, it is, and and I I feel like I should add, um, I definitely think. A very important aspect, no matter who you're looking at, whether it's the more well-off or less well-off individual, is their education level. Because, um, and and let's say education by like the number of perspectives they're able to consider before forming an opinion. Let's mm. just let's just define it as that. Um, that's one of the things that I, I was reading um, Stephen Pinker's *The Better Angels of Our Nature*, and he talks about how much the printing press changed humanity. Because it yeah. allowed people to read, and what reading does is it allows you to better understand what it's like to be somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also we can call a perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I think that needs to be there. So, like, mm. if the person doesn't have the perspective, if the person doesn't just again, this goes back to what I was trying to say earlier. If the person yeah. doesn't know how well they have it, then yeah, it's kind of pointless, or it's kind of silly to expect them to be happier because of it if they don't right, really, right. if they really don't know. So I guess um, when we think about um, these comparisons, we should probably uh, think or, or presume that the education is there on both sides. So like um, similarly, if the person who is so, um, I mean, this is terrible to even, to even kind of think about, but I'm sure there are people who are so, uh, let's say, um, you know, just some suffering from abject poverty, right? That they don't yeah. even they don't even understand and conceptualize like the lives that we have even exist. Like that there are these lives that are out there, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so they may just be so um, walled off from large swaths of, of reality on Earth. Yeah. That, yeah, like it could be just be, and I this sounds terrible, but like an ignorance is a bliss type of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. as you know, our age in, uh, let's say, West Africa, in like a poor village in West Africa, um, and you, you know, get to watch a video or, or, or some, you know, augmentation of what a day in the life of me or you or someone of our ilk is like. And then that's it. You're shut off from that. You get, you get to become intimately familiar with like the benefits and the amenities and the privileges and the conveniences of our life. And then like, okay, now back to your life that would be worse for them. So like having access to that would, would probably not be a benefit. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, Oh no, I was going to say it's, there's maybe another interesting thought experiment. The greatest thought experiment generator probably of all time right now is the North Korea example, (laughs) Uh, where you have, where you have like a population that's just completely or misinformed or ignorant of the, outside world and if one of them thought uh, you know saw kind of had the had like the veil pulled and saw like what it was like in the outside world and kind of and started to cut loose from the brainwashing and started to see how it was a kind of mind control trick um then they would be worse off because instead of thinking that you're uh like now in the greatest regime of the of the universe you're now like yeah now you're being held hostage it's like the complete it's like you could be in the completely same situation you were before but your perspective has completely changed and now you're just abjectly suffering and so exactly to that like that same effect is what i hope to tap into with my goal of spreading knowledge or enlightenment to people who actually do have it good like i'm trying to tease out the opposite effect of what you just described like it works for the same mechanic like the same mechanics of reality apply but just in the opposite direction right like i want i want to trickle it down versus like trickling it up so like instead of instead of showing people how deluded they are right, i right. want to show people how truly uh lucky they are uh-huh. and sort of um because it just feels like people who again, aren't as pensive, let's say, seem to be either unaware or unable of truly appreciating right. what it means to have their life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just seems like there's a real potential to not only improve the, and we could use the word happiness, but I like, I've been hearing the word more tranquility and I think that's a better way, it's, it's probably a better way to, um, Right, right. To sort of make make happiness like a tangible thing to to, mm-hmm. to right, like where it's just like a calmness in the mind where we're not stressing out, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's how I'm defining it. Um, how much benefit, how much untapped benefit there is, and just like spreading that and really teaching that and letting that sink in, and it's like the only way that I could think of where someone would refute that or to say like, well, great for them, they had their own problems, or or I at least and and I will pose this to you, like if you could think of any, but like I can't think of a, a any reason a um, person on the normal spectrum 
of of let's say morality uh, mm-hmm. will refute that and will not um, become a better for it, like become happier from it. Because to to not so, do so, you would need to sort of not value. You need to say like, my life isn't is intrinsically or or rather inherently better than that person in West Africa. Therefore, I deserve to have a better quality of life than them. And therefore, um, you know, of course, so, yeah, go ahead, yeah. No, no, so does this uh, practice kind of you're talking, actually have a form of a practice, like um, like, sh- like, basically taking time out of your day to um, to contemplate the luckiness of your existence and how fortunate you are and how, yeah. uh, and how other people are not uh, as fortunate and how, uh, you know, like, so it's, so you're saying this not in a practical, I mean, it could have practical applications in the sense that you could be more likely to donate to charity, but you're saying more just to improve the psychological well-being of somebody who's already has this fortune. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I think it's a, it's a more logical first step. Like, I think it's, it's an easier pill to swallow. Like, I think it's easier to get someone to, to even to market it to them and you know i mean that in a very honest way like as a way to be happier versus as a way to learn how to give more to charity right like ultimately it would be amazing if through somebody developing these appreciations over time they had more of a propensity to give to charity or to uh you know uh to harken back to an earlier conversation be generous with their time by you know being a volunteer or something like that um yeah that would be an excellent kind of stage two effect um or tier two effect of this but i but yeah i really the reason why i I think i I think it just has a practical application is because it would be such an it seems to be such an easy thing to sell like and because like number one and for me this is first and foremost it's logical like we i think base our morality our sort of um behaviors um interpersonal skills all that stuff based on logic and reason and so this this is a logical and reasonable you know the rationale behind this is sound like we are all anatomically the same all people right Mm -hmm. um we therefore um you know deserve an equal quality of life like we're all we're, we all start from the same base level right mm-hmm. um and and sort of to to really again inculcate people with the fact of um how high they sit on that above that baseline let's say yeah yeah um it just seems to have tremendous benefit that again doesn't seem to be being tapped like and when i say doesn't seem of course i'm talking about people um, and I think we could say most people of the developed world who are in their middle class or above who just don't have the motivation, desire, whatever you'd like to call it, to have the type of discussions we're having now and to really to really get into the weeds of, of consciousness or, 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 or thinking, right, um, in that way. Like it's just more – they have more of a topical um, day-to-day existence. Um, yeah, yeah. I think those are the people that stand to benefit the most. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think being appreciative and loving and like, yeah, expressing kind of day to day gratitude for your fortune definitely can clear the mind and stuff like that. I'm wondering though, is it like, 
uh, is that enough though? Should you be taking, should you be, I feel like if, if you're going to kind of, um, organize some sort of, uh, like actual, uh, if you're going to take steps, steps to making people realize this, shouldn't there be a more tangible goal, like getting people to actually do something about it rather than just kind of having them? Well, um, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I guess, and I, not that I have an answer, but think it, yeah. maybe one way to think about it is like, if something could be organized that was shown to improve the quality of lives, even though those lives which were improving were lives that were already high on the spectrum of having a good life, mm-hmm. wouldn't that in and of itself be a good thing and a good place to start? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's the easiest thing to organize and to have success with, because of course, once you have some success, more success is easily attainable, right? Um, so it's logical, I think, to start in a spot where there's the most potential to succeed and then use that success to chase success that's harder to achieve, right? And yeah. I think in this case, the success that's hard to achieve is the stuff that you're implying by saying, is it enough? Like, yeah. no, it's not enough, but I think it might be a good place to start or something, um, or one of a few good places to start. And yeah. at least based on how I'm thinking about it now, right? And again, I think... Going back to the marketing of it and the and the and the it's to me when you couple something that's like rational like you're not you're not really selling anything anyone like you know we we've talked about religion before um, and how we've you know sort of abandoned it in our in our let's say youth or when we were younger um, selling that to somebody of course has a very there's a very mixed bag with it like if I'm trying to um, tell someone to be more charitable because Jesus, you know, talks about it in the New Testament, there's there's definitely some good to it, right? We both know that. But but there's also a layer of like uh, misleading someone to believe in in um, something that isn't representative of reality. And there's a very mm-hmm. dangerous element or, or I think people would say more than one. There's there's a lot of dangerous elements to teaching that to teaching somebody to not believe in reality, right? Um, yeah. And so there's a good and there's a bad, right? But with this, it seems like because it is aligned with science and reason and, and everything, there's no, yeah, you're marketing it to them, yeah, you're selling something to them, but you're selling them reality, right? You're selling them the truth. And that truth will, it seems to me, help them in their everyday life. And so whatever comes out of that, I think is only... Um, is, is a cherry on top, right? I think there are many things to some to the points you're raising that, that there are many like plus ones. There's many ways to grow from that. Like if you if you are able to have an organization of people who are deeply appreciative of that, I think those people then become the people who are more who are like you have a group of very motivated people to like think and say back, all right, well this isn't enough. What else can we do now that we are appreciative and now that we know this? How can we either spread it to more people or how can we um, sort of make some practical, um, let's say improvements to the people who we are more fortunate than, right. Whether it's through charity or giving their time. Like I think all those things come out of first enlightening the people in the first place, right. Of their good fortune. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there's, there's definitely like, um, people that do this, like as far as like for more of the meditation practice, there's more like kind of gratitude and appreciation style meditation. And that's probably useful because, 
it's easy to forget this kind of stuff or to kind of be like, I mean, it's such a meme nowadays to be like, oh yeah, the kids in Africa are right. starving or something right. like that. And it's almost in some sense ignorant because you could be like, are you, what are you talking about? South Africa, you know, has definitely their fair share of um, like well-off people. Yep. And so like there, so it almost seems like apart from like a logical argument, you could just kind of train up the, the feeling of the appreciativeness because even if we did, even if we somehow made like, this is more of a science fiction thought experience, but if, if every country kind of became pretty much the same equal, like uh, quality of life level, then the appreciativeness would change and it'd be, let's we're appreciative that we're at this stage where, you know, we're virtually, you know, uh, we're virtually peaceful and, and have everybody has virtually a pretty good quality of life. I mean, then you still have the problem of the human mind, you know, from time to time just suffering. Um, well, yeah. Even, even, even when you're in a good situation. And that's kind of the problem that you seem to be focusing on. And then, the, so I'm just saying that like the idea of training that as a, a skill um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that that seems like people are dip, like it's possible and, and yeah. uh, there's definitely resources. And to be clear, like I, I, I do agree with you in that, like it will run its course, like, but it'll be a really good thing when it does run its course, meaning like eventually when we get to a point where I hope every human life is comparable to the quality of life is comparable um, on the same order of magnitude where what I'm proposing won't make sense, like. Um, because there won't be anyone to compare ourselves with, right? We'll all be kind of in the same boat, so to speak, or of the same ilk. Yeah. Um, similar to, let's say, the difference between you know my life and yours. Like they're not identical, but they're close enough where there's no sense in teasing out no. differences, right? Um, I see. Since, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, we will get to that point, but until we do, yeah, I think um, it is something. I'm, it's just a very interesting topic to me. Something that I that I think about a lot in a sense of like uh-huh. being able to be the owner of my of what perspectives I'm allowing myself to think of at any one moment. So, like for example, like if I'm at work, you know, designing a, a, a user interface, let's say, like at that point, like I'm comparing my I'm comparing the quality of my work to the very best that's out there, right? Like you know, let's, whether it be Google or Apple, right? And so mm-hmm. that's an extremely hard bar that, I'm, that I'll never hit, you know, in the near future, but it's nice to shoot for it. Um, and so my perspective there is very narrow, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about, like, the shitty applications that I'm clearly better than, right? And, and mm-hmm. relaxing from that. But at the same time, like, like going back to my early example, like, if I miss the train, if I drop my phone and it cracks or I lose my computer, like... Um, I get a ticket for $300, like all these things that are clearly have the potential to have a, a stain on somebody's life in the sense of like, yes, you could look back in the future and say during that period of time, I was not tranquil and like I was disturbed and I was unhappy and like to be able to like n- not ever have those stains simply by in those moments broadening your perspective to the widest extent possible. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically being able to like control your perspectives at any given moment and make it really narrow when it's when it's most useful and when it's really, you know, na- um, wide when it's most useful to sort of keep your to, to kind of always be happy and motivated. Right. You should you should you should uh, experiment with that. Like I want to or yeah. I don't know if uh, maybe you could tell me if you if you 
yeah, end yeah. up doing this. But like something like a like a practice like that, like where you do your stoicism practice, but in maybe instead of or in addition to like doing a practice like that, where you're like really trying to um, you know focus on what is that feeling of like appreciativeness and just kind of aliveness that you get when you yeah. uh, when you open up to that high perspective and try to train that kind of feeling and 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 yeah no it'd be interesting yeah definitely i definitely would like report back on that it's something that i think was happening before i even knew how to articulate it like where i found myself being able to like shake you know kind of toss things by the wayside so to speak when like bad things happened to me like not even bad like again that that even becomes a, a a hard word to pin down but like again like all these things that like these random examples that i was bringing up whether it's like losing your phone or whatnot where it's like i found myself not getting bothered by them as much like i remember getting into a car accident and like immediately upon realizing that like I was okay. The people got out of the car that got into the car accident. They were okay. Like immediately being so okay with the situation, like not having any stress or anything about it. It's like immediately recognizing like, okay, like the country that I live in, the, 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 you know, that the money that I have, the family that, that I have, the, um, government that's in place, the infrastructure that's in place right now in this, in this society that I'm fortunate enough to be part to be a part of, this is not a big deal. It's just not. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there's going to yeah. be a few little things, but like, ultimately, there's no justification for this to really affect the rest of my day. Like, it's fine. You know what I mean? In, in, in fact, in two weeks' time, um, this will just be so insignificant of an event in my life. And like, if anything, um, and this may be taking it to too much of an extreme, but if anything, that fact or those that collection of facts is a reason to, in fact, be happy when something bad happens. Like, um, dropping my iPhone, uh, wow that that really stinks like that that that's shitty like but there's kind of like this like quick circle that happens now in my head where it's like yes that's really bad but isn't it but but at the same time it's not going to affect my life and the fact that it's not going to affect my life isn't that a reason to be happy i mean isn't isn't that a reason to be happy that that when things happen to me they don't affect my life and, and, and so like and to be clear it's not like i'm saying that i'm so well off that like paying $600 is like so insignificant. That's not the point. The point is that like, it's not like I'm now not going to be able to go out to dinner in two weeks when I want to. Right. It's like, it's not going to change yeah. my life in any like impactful way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't just work with money. Right. It could be like, um, it could be like at, at work, like, you know, having someone say, you know, cri uh, criticize something that, you know, a creation that you did, like a creative endeavor. Right. Like, that could really hurt your feelings, but putting that into perspective as well, like the, you, it could basically be applied to anything. I know. I think I tend to relate it back to like um, circumstances that involve money, but that's not. It's not certainly not limited to that, right? Um, yeah, but I feel like yeah. um, there's a like I get a lot of motivation. I mean, I haven't had these experiences too much, but like kind of near death experiences where like you've almost like died yeah <laughs> or like you could have uh, or you do something really thrilling that where it's like serious injury or death could have been possible or you you kind of have a near miss of something maybe it's not always as close as but sometimes it can, i mean i've had i've had experiences where it's been pretty close um to death and those experiment experiences are always just like um like the effect of the after effect of that is like 
just uh, utter contentment at whatever is happening. You know, just like I am just happy to be existing right now because the the um, because yeah, it's like the the only alternative to existing is to not be existing and 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 be dead and be dead and that's and when you kind of are face to face with those experiences. They do. I mean, they give you like a kind of adrenaline rush, and it's probably all explained by like chemical right. kind of effects. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it's definitely a feeling that one could have, and I feel like having that on your on your um, like on your brain as much as possible would be a much healthier way to live. And so, you know, like a true appreciation of just being like just not you know being to being able to be at all, being able to be alive at all, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I, I completely agree. And, I, and I'm just being conscious of the time. I know you said you had to uh, be out by yeah. 15. So we're coming up on that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I did think just to kind of um, decompress a little bit. I, I felt, you know, this was, this is cool, obviously. Um, figuring, I think like just, it seemed like to flow a lot easier than than the first time for me. At yeah, least. Um, me too. And so yeah, I mean, like anything else, I think I, of course you get better with time. Um, and what's cool is like I had a bunch of things written down that we didn't get to, but like that's that's a good thing I think. Cause, yeah, like, definitely. That, that makes it seem like we didn't. We're not like treating these topics as like check boxes. Like I think it's important that we start talking about it and we just kind of get into it until yeah. one of us realizes like okay we may have said what we have to say or we may need to learn more before we could say more about this topic and that is um an impetus to kind of go to the next to the next thing exactly um, but uh but yeah cool um yeah i definitely there's definitely a lot of other things to, to go into and and definitely oh, for sure yeah and definitely uh one thing that, that i'm particularly interested in and i met a new kid last night um who's quite young he's actually uh just going into his junior year of of college, but um, but but, uh-huh. but very intelligent. He's actually a, a neuroscience major at MIT, and uh-huh. and like the things that he knows at his age leads me to believe that he, unless things change, like he's going to be somebody who's gonna have like um very developed thoughts, you know, on certain topics yeah. that that just to most people, like myself included, are just gonna be uh. Uh, I'll never have access to, right? Like uh-huh. I think it requires just so many hours of studying, um, so to speak. But um, yeah, my uh, my point with that is that like we were talking uh, a little bit about our idea or the idea that I mentioned to you about like picking an article and then trying mm-hmm. to like dissect it. And so um, I use like this thing called Instapaper. We might have spoken about it. Where, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like I just made a folder uh, for articles that I read and I'm definitely trying to like keep it to like one article a week if that maybe one even mm-hmm. every two weeks where i put in there that uh seems to not only be like very thought-provoking but also bodes well to like uh let's say uh like a what would they call it? like a um, socratic method you know like a socrates like like a back and forth type conversation um okay based on it so um yeah what i'll try to do is like i'll f- the next time I find one of those articles, I'll just share it with you and then let me know you, yeah. could, you could read it because I think you said you were interested in that idea. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And they're not terribly long. Like it's maybe like, you know, like a 15, 20 minute read. Um, For sure. And then, yeah, and then we could kind of just go through it and, and yeah, and I think that'll be like super interesting or at least it'll be cool. worth a shot. It may not be interesting, but it might, <laughs> yeah. might be worth trying. No, um, definitely. 
Definitely. Cool, cool. mic. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> I got it on Amazon. It was like $50 because um, I had like a $50 gift card. So it was like oh, nice. you know, 115 total. And you know, this is just me, dude. Like we we haven't connected yet, like on a on a on a technological basis yet, but like I'm pretty nerdy yeah. with this stuff. Like I like I record like one thing and I'm like, oh I need a mic. You know what I mean? Like it's so it's it's definitely irrational. Like, you know, like I definitely jump to like maybe a step that I don't need to jump to yet. For sure. If that makes sure. sense. When it comes when it comes to technology for sure. Like um yeah. I just like having those things. So, yeah, we'll see how it, it sounds. Um, I'm sure it'll sound exactly the same as the last one did. Because um, I don't know yet. How do you – do? is yeah. there a way that you can, like, plug your mic into Skype? Is that what you did? Yeah, that's what I did. I think I can do that. Let's see. Built-in microphone. Oh, yeah. I so, I could have done that too. I, like, look, here I have a mic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You could have done the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. You know, it'll be interesting to hear. Um, I think – I mean, correct me if you if you felt differently, but the first time we recorded, our voices sounded pretty well on both ends, right? Like my voice didn't Fine, sound yeah. better than yours, I don't think. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see like if this time around my voice sounds more clear or anything to that effect. I did the I did this with somebody else too, and yeah, our voices ended up sounding pretty good as well, um, or they sounded like fine, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I like the call recorder, but I only did the trial of it, so now I don't have have it anymore. I uh, I did the trial, too, and I just bought it before our call today. Oh, yeah, Because yeah. it, it was, like, I had no choice. Like, quick decision, it's, like, $30, and it's, like, okay, either that or, like, what? You know what I mean? Like, there <laughs> really wasn't, like, an ulterior, like, uh, 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 an alternate option, so. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. It's hopefully something I'll use, um, you know, like I said, like, I want to do this more with you and, and try to convince other people to do it. I have a few friends who uh, listen to ours and like um, I haven't gotten a chance to like talk to them about it yet, but they, you know, obviously my goal by that is to like, of course they think, no, they, they definitely liked it. I mean, um, I told them like, it's obviously it's a very like, uh, it's our first one. Yeah. It's our first one. And also like, I'm sure we both felt insecure. Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but like, whether it's something that I write or something that I share through audio, like whatever the fuck it is, like any sort of creative endeavor that I share with other people, I'm always going to be insecure about it until I guess I have some success somewhere where I have confidence in it. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, they're they're cool people. I mean, um, I feel like they are the people who would say like, if, if it sucked, they would tell us, you know, type of thing. Um, okay. So I think I think basically the, the the moral of the story is like, if it, in the worst case scenario, like you said, it's cool for me and you to listen to to like get to yeah know, to get to know ourselves better, if nothing else, and, and so long yeah. as we're having fun with it, who cares? Cool. Um, but but as you know, if I have time and if you have time and and if a time ever comes when like I do actually want to edit these with 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 more vigor or or yeah. or actually have you know actually try to be a steward of, of the podcasting um, sort of procedure and so on and so forth, where like actually try to, to do it in a, in, a, in a way that's different than how we're doing it now, so be it. And if, if that time comes, like I'll be that much more prepared for it by these. So yeah, it's, just, it's, it's all good news no matter how you slice it. So.